Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, indeed. Good morning. I am joined by Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Good morning, Julie. Hey, Denny. How are you today? Well, I'm doing fine, but I, I was thinking about our conversation for the last few days as I'm listening and reading the forecast. And by the way, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, you can call it in or text it in. You know if you're a regular listener, uh, we tend to get real busy. So uh, yeah, call it in or text it in. Let me give you the number, uh, 651-989-9226. You probably know that by now, but that is used for either phone call or text messages. And the reason, not only because you're such a great musician, but I'm thinking, oh. I, w- I want to ask you about <laughs> this weather. I, I'm not complaining because I'm going to have an, a more opportunities to remove yet more leaves from my yard. <laughs> but uh, I'm a little concerned and was this week uh, because of the warm weather and the soil, I, uh, I filled up buckets of water to water my uh, boxwoods because I... Oh, sure. I was kind of, I don't want them to get ruined like they did a couple of years ago. What's what's the deal with this warm uh, predicted weather? What are so we going to do? Yeah, so Mark Seeley, who's a professor emeritus with the University of Minnesota, and he is also a climatologist. So I, a lot of people know Mark. He's been on the radio. He's been on TV. He's been around a long time. But he still writes a really great blog even in retirement, and he is a, um, he writes it, it's called Minnesota Weather Talk, and I was checking up on that, as I do before the show every time I'm on, and he indicated that a warmer than normal December is predicted, and it is uh, going to be 11 of the warmest December's since we've had 11 of our warmest December since 2001, so this pertains to climate change. Um, it's going to be about four degree, four to six degrees warmer than normal, and it will be the seventh month of above normal temperatures in 2020. So you can add that to your I hate 2020 list if, that's, <laughs> if you're looking at that. And this will rate 2020 as in the top 15 year of the years of the warmest years since we've been reporting weather in Minnesota. Wow. That's pretty profound. We are lucky in Minnesota that we have many, many, uh, you know, like over 100 years of data about the weather. 
in uh, from farmers. It goes way back into the 1800s, so even more than I'm actually saying. But that is a very warm December. And all of these, most of these temperatures are since 2001. So what does that mean for gardeners? It means that, like you are talking about, you still have time to do some of the things that you want to do out there, tidy things up. We don't have any snow cover, at least not where I'm sitting. And uh, and so you want to also be sure that you're watering those plants, especially those evergreens, because yeah. I don't think the soil's frozen. You can check, but it's uh, it's probably in the high 30s or, or uh, maybe low 40s at this point still, so... And I, I'm yeah. looking, Julie, at uh, uh, Wednesday as the would be December 9th. It's expected, mm-hmm. at least here in the Twin Cities, to be near 52. Yeah. The only benefit, well, other people might find more benefits to warm December, but the one benefit, I think, is that because we are all uh, sticking around our homes, the nicer weather does allow us to get outside and True. Uh, and, True. and get some of our... Uh, older citizens out too. You know, it's it's not one of those sub-zero temperatures, icy streets and sidewalks. So we can still get outside and enjoy nature. And I think maybe that's a little bit of a gift for us this year is to yeah. be able to do that because there's a lot of great benefits to getting outside. Fresh air, exercise, uh, a real mood lifter. If you've been feeling really cooped up, you can get out there with your kids or your family members. You can be six feet apart from people. So maybe that's a little bit of a silver lining for warm December. It might be harder on our plants when it does get cold. But for us, maybe this is kind of what we need right now. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is a gift uh, at these times. Um, in fact, I see a text, and I was thinking about the same thing. I started doing a little dormant seating. And I'm going to wait because I keep looking at the forecast, and I want to yeah. wait till we get some solid snow before I go on with that. And due to warm weather, Texter says, Julie, do I need to repeat dormant seeding? What do you think? Oh, I wish Maggie was on to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Our turf educator. Um, I boy, I think it. I think it has to do with consistent temperatures, and they have been bouncing around a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think you can still do it. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think you could still wait a little bit to do it. So we're kind of getting an extended dormant seating period, perhaps. 651-989-9226. That's our phone number. It's also our text number here on our Smart Garden Show. Julie is with us this hour helping you out. So don't wait. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, call it in or text it in. What is this deal about World Soil Day? What is that about? Oh, you're reading up, aren't you? That's awesome. Uh, this is a, a December 5th is World Soil Day, and it is a day where we focus attention on the importance of healthy soil and to be advocates for sustainable management of our soil resources. So we often say on Smart Garden that soil is the foundation of any landscape and that healthy soil and preparing soil ahead of planting can really uh, lessen the stress on plants and ultimately produce really healthy plants that perform well. Mm. So, and soil is important for agriculture. It's important for our natural resources. It's really produce really healthy plants that perform well. Mm. So, and soil is important for agriculture. It's important for our natural resources. It's important uh, to manage in our own properties so that we are not eroding soil. We're adapting soil or, or amending it. We're adding compost to it. We're covering it with leaves that will break down and add carbon to it. So today is World Soil Day. So when you're out there, 
respect your soil and take a few minutes to to get to know it. (laughs) (laughs) I I know we have to take a break, but I want to uh, get a phone call in here before we run out of time. Uh, Kevin is calling in from Wasika, I believe. Kevin, you're on with Julie. Well, very good morning to you. Uh, Hi, Kevin. uh, Hi to you now. Uh, Just to continue on with this uh, conversation you're having about the warm weather, uh, I was wondering, uh, I was thinking of doing some trimming on trees. Uh, good weather coming this week. Uh, you can kind of see the odd branches, you know, where they're out of place for the trim them versus have them when they have leaves on. My question being is, will this harm the trees? Will there be growth starting now after this warm weather, uh, say, uh, sap plowing? Or uh, overall, will it damage the trees if I just do some short trimming? Well, we we are... Uh we don't recommend pruning in fall at this point. Um, if you uh, could hold off till later in the winter when the tree has completely gone dormant, that's the better, safer bet. Um, not to say that you're going to have a bunch of leaves leafing out from this temperature. That probably isn't the case. But it does. Uh, but but waiting until the tree is completely dormant, and we just haven't had the temperatures. Uh, the light has changed because we have less daylight and the trees uh physiology reacts to that but um but it's better to wait until really we get into much colder weather that's kind of steadier cold weather so that those trees are truly dormant um and so i would just i'd I'd hold off on that at this point you just don't you know if you can wait that's great very good We need to take a break. A quick one, Julie. Stand by. Uh, If you have a lawn or garden question, we're waiting for you. 651-989-9226, the phone number and the text number. We'll grab both when we return here on News Talk 830 WCCO. 22 degrees in the Twinsies. We're heading for the high 30s later today. And good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Danny Long here along with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Julie, as usual, a lot of texts, a lot of phone calls. We'll put you back to work here uh, right. right away. Um, let's see who's first up here in the phone. Ken is calling in from Blaine, I believe. Ken, you are on with Julie. Good morning. Uh, morning. I've noticed uh, my magnolia trees, you know, of course, most uh, plants that flower in the spring bud in the fall, and I notice that there there's lots and lots of buds, and they seem to be getting a little bit larger. Now, this warm weather, which eventually will turn into cold weather, what is the effect, and what should I be concerned about? I don't know that I, there's much I can do about it. Yeah, you're exactly right, Ken. There's not much you can do about it. Um, they, I don't think that they're going to break bud. It, it, we've gotten far enough along where they've, uh, you know, they're they're going into dormancy. And even with this warmer weather, I don't think it's going to create a situation where these plants are going to open up. So I think there's not much to do about it. Um, I would protect the base from any kind of animal browsing uh, just to protect those lower lower branches and those and the main stem. But other than that, it's just kind of uh, uh, yeah, it's. They're, they might be getting bigger, but uh, I don't think they're going to be opening up. So I hope not. That would be really weird. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's not much to do about it. You're right. All right. 
Texas says, this fall, I realize my yard has white grub problems. With the warm weather we're having, will they continue eating grass roots? Should I do, be doing something now to get rid of them? No, the the grubs have gone dormant. Uh, they've kind of burrowed down, and they shouldn't shouldn't be anything to do about it at this point. And even even with the warm weather, we've had enough cold nights that the top couple of inches of soil are frozen, so mm-hmm. or or getting pretty you know pretty frozen anyway. And so I don't think you know the the grubs aren't going to be moving to the surface where they can eat the roots. So there's nothing to do about the grubs now. Let's go back to the phones, Julie. Alexandria, our next stop. Joe is uh, on the line to ask you a question. Go ahead, Joe. Julie's listening. Good morning. Uh, I got a Norway maple that I made a couple of cuts on. Uh, branches probably inch around in diameter, but it's leaking sap now. Is there anything I can put on the end of that cut to stop the leak? Yeah, there's nothing to do. Uh, in fact, uh, what we would call like a wound sealer type of product or paint, it, it's actually not recommended to put on to, to plants. It, it's going to leak that sap a little bit. It's actually, it looks like more than it actually is. You know, it's a very small amount compared to what's in the plant. And it doesn't, it isn't detrimental to the tree. It's just part of its physiology. So just leave it. Uh, it's doing that because of the warmer days that we're having and the colder nights, uh, kind of similar to what we have in the spring when the maple sap runs, but just leave it alone. And uh, and eventually, when the weather gets cold, it'll start to seal up. All right. 651-989-9226 is our phone number. It's also our text number. Uh, Randy is next up on the phone, calling in from Champlin this morning. Randy, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I morning. just got a, a quick question. Uh, we had our yard service come out again to do fertilization, they said. They said it was okay as long as the ground wasn't frozen, but when they went to put their stake in the ground as a warning to stay off, it was too frozen to put it in the ground. What's your opinion about that? Uh, well, it's, it, yeah, the soil was pretty pretty solid, as you found out. Um, I'm not a fan of putting, uh, and we don't recommend putting fertilizer on frozen soil because, uh while it might stay in place for some, you know, in some areas, some of it can wash off or blow off into our uh, streets and um, hardscapes, our sidewalks, and then it can get down into waterways. So we don't recommend putting it on frozen soil. Um, that being said, a lot of the lawn care companies, you know, they're trying to fulfill their contracts and they're, you know, been extremely busy, I'm sure. And so they're trying to do a job, you know, do their job and, and meet their agreement with you. Um, but yeah, I would have probably tested the soil first to see if it was frozen before I put down fertilizer. Yeah. Like you said, they're trying to get the jobs done. Yeah. They're trying to get their jobs done. So kind of, you know, I would, if you see it, if you see it out on your sidewalks or street, just sweep it back into the grass. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea. All right. Very good. Uh, Walt is calling in from Plymouth this morning, I do believe. Walt, thanks for waiting. What's your question? Uh, <clears throat> probably too late, but is it too late to put down uh, uh, poison for creeping chile? Yeah, it's too late to do any of that. You'll want to save uh, that task for uh, springtime and do a spot treatment of that when it's actively growing. Right now, even creeping Charlie has pretty much slowed down in its growth, and that that uh, herbicide isn't going to get down into the roots where you want it to go. 
you want to time that earlier in the fall when the plant is um, uh, actively growing and putting energy back into its roots to make it through the winter, but now it's too late for that. So save that task for, for springtime when you see it growing. Okay. I think I know your answer to this one. My arborvitaes are turning brown. Can I still water them? Would that help? No, it's not going to help at this point if you start to see the browning. Mm. Um, the browning could be just the, the leaves or the needles of the plant, but the stems could still be green, and they would. Uh, you might lose these needles that are brown, uh, but in the spring, hopefully, they'll bud back out. Very good. Julie, we'll need to take our usual bottom-of-the-hour break here. In fact, we're going to have a look at that warmer-than-average forecast coming along here in a moment or two. So stay with us. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, we still have the next half hour to help you out. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M with us today. 651-989-9226 will get you a phone call. It will also get you a text question. Same number, 651-989-9226. Back with more Smart Garden Show. Here on News Talk 830 WCCO. 22. Good morning, if you're just joining us. You have joined us in the Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota helping you out answering those lawn and garden questions. And and Julie, as you heard, we did have our... uh, our first and maybe only today uh, a creeping Charlie question. <laughs> yes. No awards will be given, but you you, ma- you mentioned a, a, a phrase here that maybe it's a group I'd like to join: the pesky plant trackers. What's that about? So you know, every gardener watches for seasonal changes, like the first lilac flower to open or the return of certain birds in the spring. So this is a scientific study of these life cycles. It's called phenology. And even if you're new to that word, you're probably already using it, such as pruning your trees before bud break, for example. That's a a good use of phenology to prune at the right time. And your skills as uh, gardeners can also be used beyond your garden. And we have a project at the University of Minnesota that started in 2019. It's called Pesky Plant Trackers. And it asks volunteers like our listeners to use phenology to track the life cycles of certain invasive species. Right now, those, there's two of them, wild parsnip and Japanese knotweed. And the information that pesky plant track, trackers volunteers you provide will be used to help people who manage parks and natural resources, natural areas, public gardens, et cetera, to do a better job at managing these spaces and the invasive species that are in them and restoring ultimately the Minnesota landscapes. And that's the really big picture is protecting our lands from these invasive species. So I just wanted to put a plug in for Pesky Plant Tracker Project. For our listeners, if you have either of these plants growing close to home or somewhere that you can get once a week, you could be a Pesky Plant Tracker. There's a training for this online, it takes really about 10 to 20 minutes a week to, to go to that plant and report your observations using a mobile app. And so if you're interested in that, you can volunteer and maybe and learn more at peskyplants.umn.edu. And you can sign up and get news and updates and resources too, but it's at peskyplants.umn.edu. Pesky, we mentioned that uh, we should before you leave us today. Pesky Plants. Uh, We'll mention that before you leave us today, Julie. Okay, cool. That's great. Great idea. Uh, Back to the phones we go. I think Frank has been waiting there in Farmington to ask you a question. Thank you, Frank. What is your question? 
Uh, yes, good morning. Two things. Uh, first, they've got a uh, plastic tree wrap around the base of a crab apple tree that is, seems to be stuck because it's been on there for okay. uh, years. And when I started peeling it back, it started pulling the bark off. I wonder if I should just leave it or slice it to try to let it breathe. But it looks like the bark is um, um, decaying inside the tree. Oh, wrap. okay. Okay. And the other thing I have is I noticed a couple of new trees that were planted. Um, the twine and the burlap and the wire ball was all still intact. And I'm wondering if that should have been cut and opened up a little bit to uh, allow the tree to root out better. Man, those are two really, really good questions. Um, the first one, <laughs> first one about the tree wrap, that's a, that I, I would, if it was my tree, I would see if there was areas where I could slice through that plastic and and allow it to loosen up. Because at this point, as the tree grows, clearly the bark is growing into that uh, tree wrap. And you are right not to pull it off because you don't want to pull the bark off. Um, but I would try to see if there's some areas that are not growing to the bark that you can take a like a, a sharp blade and just gently slice through that without slicing through the bark. And then as that opens up, hopefully as the tree grows, that plastic will eventually kind of pop off or loosen up. But you want to give it as much room as possible for the for the trunk to keep expanding. You don't want to girdle the trunk. And that's basically where that tree wrap essentially grows into the and closes off the vessels that are beneath the bark. So that's what I do about that. Right. Regarding the burlap and uh, twine and basket, Studies have shown actually that um, that leaving the basket and leaving the burlap, uh, the burlap breaks down eventually and the roots grow through it. It's porous enough. But the twine, if you see the twine wrapped like at the base of the root flare, where the where the root flare kind of starts to move out and then go into the soil at the bottom of the trunk, you do want to cut that twine out of there because that, like the wrap, can girdle that tree. So you want to take that twine and loosen that up and at least cut it and just push it away from the trunk so that it's not entangled around the trunk. But the rest of it, um, as I understand from our forestry, forest resources people, is that really leaving the basket and leaving the burlap, the tree eventually just grows out of that and around it. And it, it doesn't harm the tree, but that twine can harm the tree. It's kind of kind of interesting that the smallest thing there could be the most detrimental to that tree health. Mm, interesting. I want to get to Jim and Lake Elmo in a moment, but I uh, want to read this text. I have a peace lily that seems to need tons of watering. It gets wilty if I don't water it almost every other day. Is that normal? Sounds to me like it needs to be repotted. Uh, a lot of times, if uh, check the soil, though. If the soil is staying damp and it's wilting, then you might have a root rot issue, kind of the flip side of that where you've got it's got too much water. It's not draining well. Uh, or the or the roots are just there's just not enough roots to support the plant. So no matter how much water you put on it, it will continue to wilt because that root ball isn't there. So the best thing to do is take it out of the pot. If the roots are great, uh, then repot it in a slightly larger container. Make sure it has good drainage. Put in some fresh potting soil. But if you take it out and the soil is still wet and it kind of smells bad and you look at the roots and they might be kind of brown or mushy or non-existent. Basically, the plant is probably toast at that point. Okay. Let's get to Lake Elmo, Julie. I think Jim has been waiting there. Jim, thank you. What is your question for Julie? Hi, Julie. 
Um, my question is, I planted some uh, spruce about 15 years ago, and the needles are all falling off the bottom branches, uh, and it looks like a fungus on it, like a gray whatever, and uh, I'm wondering what I should do, and if that's a real problem, what should I plant instead of spruce uh, that wouldn't get that kind of thing? Okay, so it sounds to me like you might have a needle cast disease. Our, our spruce in particular, our Colorado spruce, the blue spruce, are, uh, are susceptible to that. It, it's a fungus, are there fungal spores in the environment? Uh, you can have it treated with a fungicide, and you would want to contact a certified arborist for that. There's not much to do about it now in the winter, but I would say in the spring is get a hold of an arborist to come in and take a look at your tree. A 15-year-old spruce, that's a valuable tree. And so have a certified arborist come and take a look at that. We have a web page on our extension site called How to Hire a Tree Professional under our Trees and Shrubs section. And that will give you a link to the International Society of Arboriculture where you can find an arborist in your area. Some cities have foresters who will come out or arborists who will come out and take a look at trees too for citizens, but you can also find one there. So um, it, it sounds like needle cast. It's very common, not attractive and kind of distressing, especially when you have a nice tree like that. But have, I'd have a certified professional come out and take a look at that. And you can find that on our extension site at extension.umn.edu. Great resource. Thank you, Jim. Jane is calling in from Minneapolis this morning, I do believe. Jane, thank you for waiting. What's your? Oh, Jane is... Uh, Jane is gone. Uh, well, she's off the line. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Jim, though, is coffee. calling in from New Richmond. Jim, uh, what is your question? Uh, good morning. Uh, we recently moved to our home and have quite a few large sumacs that are growing. They're, they have to be about 20 feet high, three to four inch in diameter. I'd like to cut them down so that they would be shorter and uh, continue to grow. Is that feasible? Is that you know, a way to manage those, or what would you suggest? Well, sumac has a complex root system, and it suckers, which you've probably already noticed, kind of creating this colony of plants. If you cut the larger ones down, I'm 99% sure that you will have smaller ones popping up, which might be exactly what you want. I think that the larger trees are shading out uh, the younger uh, potential trees, and so you could go ahead and, um, you know, you could selectively cut some out and see, you know, if there's a particular view or an access point where you want to be able to get through that area, uh, whatever it is, you could make a choice or you could cut them all down and, uh, and then uh, see if they come up at that point too. So, yeah, I, I think you could do some of that. You want to be careful that you're not getting other weeds coming up too. So take, keep an eye on that space that you remove, you've now removed the shade cover, and that sun is going to probably prompt other plants to come up too. Okay. Texter wants to know, is it too late to plant bulbs? <laughs> um, if it was my garden, I'd still plant them, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the best time to, to keep planting bulbs, but you can. Yeah, you could still you could still plant some of the hardier cold bulbs, the cold hardy bulbs like tulips and daffodils and Crocus and yeah, and the like. Yeah, the with, like. Yeah, with warmer. Yeah, I'd go, te- ahead and, I'd go ahead and try it. <laughs> give it a shot, right? 
Uh, with warmer temperatures, listener says, uh, should I be watering newly planted trees yet? Yeah, if you can, absolutely. If you can still water and your soil isn't frozen, that water isn't like running off the top of your soil, uh, yes, new, that would be a very good thing to do. Same with your evergreens, like you mentioned, Denny, at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Is if you can still do that, it's not going to hurt anything, that's for sure. Yeah, at least in, in my part of the yard, uh, it was soaking in just fine. It was not yep. frozen. So, yeah. All right. We need to take a quick break, but we have more Smart Garden Show to come here on CCO. 22 degrees heading for the high 30s here in the Twin Cities. Stay with us on News Talk 830 WCCO. If you're just joining us, this is our Smart Garden Show here on CCR every Saturday on the 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to our good friends like Julie Weisenhauer from the U of M helping you out today by phone and by text as usual. Same number, 651-989-9226. Julie, Jean is calling in from McKenyon, I believe, uh, this morning. Jean, thanks for waiting. What is your question for Julie? Well, you were talking about invasions. <laughs> I'm not being invaded by plants. But the last two years when I brought plants in the house, which I've done for years, I end up with little friends coming in. I've got a frog. A, a frog? frog in my frog? Christmas cactus. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> I have heard uh, I've heard critters coming in on plants, um, but... I haven't heard of frogs very often, though I did hear of a tree frog that came in that was actually discovered to be a tree frog from another state. It came Ooh. in on a it came in on a tropical plant, or it was on a or was it on a, a holiday green? I can't remember, but yes. Uh, and actually, it was reported in Nicollet County, and it, it turned out to be um, kind of a concern. And that's that's a really good point about how how critters and insects move around how we move them around basically by importing things and bringing things in. But what to do with the frog now, um, yes. I, you know, if you've got a, a pond or something that's nearby, I would go, re- well, you know, I would identify it first because here, I don't want to repeat what happened in Nicola County. You can contact, uh, you could send a picture to ask extension, which is on our website uh, or you can take a picture of it and send it to like the DNR and ask them to. So um, that's ultimately who takes, I think, takes responsibility for that creature at that point. It might be just a leopard frog or something or a, a common tree frog that's native here and can be le- can be released. But I don't want to be the one to tell you to release it. <laughs> I remember talking to our friend Jim Gilbert about uh, if you see, yeah. as you're mowing the lawn in the summer and you see these little toes, little frogs, that's a sign that you have a pretty healthy environment there, I'm, I'm told. Yeah, if if they're the ones that are supposed to be here, yes. Yes, toads. Exactly. I'm always excited when I see toads in my yard because they yeah. are eating insects and uh, they are. They're a great harbinger of a healthy landscape. Um, when you lack critters in your landscape, um, boy, then, you know, you've got to scratch your head and go, what am I not doing here? So mm-hmm. you want to really encourage birds and insects and amphibians and bats and you know you don't want i don't think you want deer and stuff in your yard but um, those little guys who do a lot of good things are important very good here's an interesting text julie Uh, has there been any conversation 
about the intensity of the heat of the western sun increasing due to climate change and the effects on gardening. That could be a whole show. I bet it could. Yeah, talking about the changes in gardening due to climate change and the intensity of the heat and the weather that we have. But more likely, um, if you talk to Mark Seeley and other climatologists, one of the things that we have to deal with more as gardeners are extreme events. So these are extreme drought and extreme rain events. And the variability of these is very, uh, you know, we might say, oh, man, you know, here in Minnesota, just wait a few minutes. If you don't like the weather, it's going to change. And that's never more true than it is now. We have these uh, changes and variability in our temperatures and our moisture and our humidity levels. And all of those are being absolutely recorded scientifically as being related to climate change. So, uh, you know, directly. And so, yes, there's a lot of research on it. Um, I would actually, why don't you subscribe to Mark Seeley's Weather Talk blog? And you can always ask him questions. There's a a comment section. And he does look for questions from readers and uh, listeners. He's on NPR once a month, I believe, still. So lots of climate change issues and what's that's done to um, our our gardens, the way we garden, the way we grow plants, the way we grow agriculture, and also managing natural resources area. So, hmm. yeah, it, like I said, it could be a whole show. Absolutely. <laughs> this, uh, this text, Julie, kind of uh, stretches out here, so bear with me. It says, I have an indoor avocado tree that I planted from a seed. It is three years old. The leaves bloom out, look great for about two months. Then they start to turn brown and dry up and die. I have repotted it. I give it plant food. I have tried watering it less, and I've tried watering it more. It's in a nice sunny window, and in the summer, it's outside of my covered porch. I think it is dying. Is there anything else I can do? Man, I am not an avocado expert. I admit it. Um... You might want, I, I would check the University of California website. Uh, I go there for a lot of these more, you know, they're not, they're not plants that grow here in Minnesota well. We grow them as house plants. These, uh, these fruiting trees like an avocado, it's, it, it, I, don't, it's, I don't think it's ever going to produce fruit for you. We just don't have a long enough growing season for it. Um, and, you know, it's cool to start it from a seed. But at some point, um, you know, this is a big tree where it grows naturally. And, uh, and so it, at some point, it's going to start to struggle. And it, you might be seeing that now. So um, then again, maybe avocados just drop their leaves frequently. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would look for University of California. Or, and I would check out. There's a lot of avocados that are grown out there. Very good. A listener says this, I remember when nurseries would keep their Christmas trees in buckets of water, and now they don't. I have found that my trees that I purchase never drink water these past five years, even when they are from a quality nursery. Is it true they are fine with a fresh cut? Well, that's a recommendation from the um, Minnesota Tree Growers Association, is to make that first cut. In fact, we have an article on our Yard and Garden News. This is our uh, news information that comes out twice a month. You can subscribe to it. It's on our uh, extension site for Yard and Garden. And uh, and I wrote this article on Christmas trees, and that is a recommendation to make a fresh cut and to put water, uh, you know, to fill up and keep that tree 
from, you know, don't let it dry out, in other words. So uh, I got to go with what they say, that a fresh cut is important. Right. All right, let's see what's next here. Uh, I bought a small, texter says, Norfolk pine that is potted. Should this be repotted? There isn't too much soil. What is the care for it with uh, sun and water? Is it possible to get it through the winter indoors and then put it outside next summer in the pot? Yes, and you might want to repot it. If it's if you're seeing water drain quickly through it, and you have to water it a lot because it just keeps drying out, it could be pot-bound at that point, and repotting it would be fine to do. Uh, and, and then keep it indoors. It likes sunny windows. And, uh, and then, yeah, you can certainly put it outside next year and bring it in. Many people have these Norfolk pines that live a long, long time. So uh, I'm thinking that there's an article somewhere on our website about Norfolk pine. I might have to hunt that down, but, uh, but you can certainly Google Norfolk pine and, and find out about its specific care. Okay. Let's see here. Texter says, I have rose galls. What is your best recommendation for treatment of this problem? Thank you. That comes from Kim from Cannon Falls. Yeah, rose, rose galls. galls. I don't. I, my understanding about galls is there's nothing to really do about them. You could prune them off of the plant. Um, but that they are just kind of an oddity. They're, they're formed by an insect feeding. It's a response that the plant makes, but it's not detrimental to the plant. It's not going to kill the plant. You might not like the way it looks. We see galls on like maple leaves. Uh, we see galls on oak trees, on hackberries, very, very common. Uh, there's not much to do about them. So there's no treatment or anything for that except to just prune them off of your plant. Okay. Uh, listener says our arbovita has grown to 10 feet and the bottom third is brown and dead. How and when do we trim it? Well, one reason that arbovitae at the bottom become brown is that you're pruning the base of it. You're kind of making it like you're bringing, you're pruning it shorter at the bottom than the leaves, than the branches above it. In other words, kind of like a big oval. And you want to actually prune it more like a more like a pyramid, like a flattened out pyramid, so that the leaves at the bottom, the branches at the bottom, get enough sunlight. They're not being shaded out by the branches above them. So you don't want to prune them tight at the base. And that's common that because we see that in landscapes, and people do that because they want to plant something underneath it, or they have a sidewalk there or something. But prune your arborvitae like a uh, kind of like a candy corn. That's a really good <laughs> good description where it's got a fat base and then it gets narrower at the top so that all the branches from the top to the bottom are getting sunlight. And that's going to really deter that browning that you see on those lower branches. We are did just get, about out of time, that Julie. Question? <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> now, we, we only have about a minute or a minute and a half to go here. Let's Let's do a couple of things, Julie. Let's repeat that pesky plant trackers uh, site that somebody wants to check that out. How do we do that? Yeah, so this is a volunteer program. It's pesky-plants, one word, .umn.edu. And you can learn more about that and see what kind of training there is. And there'll be, uh, there's tons of information on that website. And if you want to just get some good reading in uh, during this uh, this season or any season, uh, what is, the again, the, the website at the U of uh, University of Minnesota? You would visit extension.umn.edu and go to Yard and Garden. We also have an excellent search engine. You can just type your question into the search box and it will pop right up. 
Uh, real fast, maybe 15, 20 seconds. Should I be watering newly planted trees yet? Yes, you agreed. Yes, yes that's a good idea. My Christmas ca- uh, ca- cactus is bloomed beautifully six months ago. Now the leaves are hanging down and there are some blooms. And there okay, are some vis- blooms. Yep. Visit our, our houseplant section on Yard and Garden, and there's a, a good publication I wrote on holiday cacti. Okay. You did it. All right. Get on the web. You've got to check out this great website. These people have put in some great labors of love at, uh, at umn.edu, and it's extension.umn.edu. Julie, yes. Yeah, and don't stress out about your landscapes. You're all doing the best job you can, right? I agree. Yes. Yep. I'm going to so, take a nap so today, enjoy I think. It. <laughs> All right, good. Thank you, Julie. Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Get those home improvement questions ready. That's next hour here on WCCO. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 